Hey everyone, welcome back to Fearless as Fuck the Podcast. I'm Christina Lauren, your host. As promised, we are bringing back a lot of stories for you guys um, of women and men alike that have had some incredible testimonies in their story to get them where they are to today. And recently, I was actually with a client of mine who spoke so highly of our next guest, and she is a powerhouse of a woman. I'm actually going to read you off a little bit of her bio because I don't want to miss a single thing from it because she has been through and gone through so much and it's so admirable and I honestly can't wait to share this story with you and one of the things that stuck out to me the most was she is involved with an organization that helps um, victims of sex trafficking and when that popped up for me um, it really really touched me and then when I actually heard the personal story of how she wound up to be where she is today I knew I really wanted to have her on the podcast to share her story so Today's guest, Dallas Knight, um, her journey spans from her early days as an Army combat veteran to her role as an intelligence analyst with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Her relentless pursuit led to significant successes in dismantling criminal syndicates. Transitioning to the corporate world, Dallas emerged as a visionary executive in the technology sector. She played a key role in creating patented technologies to tackle industry challenges and ensure customer satisfaction. Beyond her corporate career, Dallas is a passionate advocate for justice. She's actively involved with the NGO Skull Games, focusing on identifying victims and pursuing human traffickers. Additionally, she mentors survivors who have transitioned into analysts themselves, enriching their pursuit of justice. Recently, Dallas published Shattered Reflections, a gripping memoir that provides a raw and unfiltered perspective on her experiences as a young military police soldier. In, in it sheds light on the stark reality of operations gone wrong and the resilience of the human spirit in the face of combat. Complementing her book, Dallas launched the Not So Average Jane podcast, delving deep into her narrative and offering a haven for combat veterans to share their own experiences, fostering healing and understanding. Dallas Knight's journey is a testament to unwavering commitment from the battlefield to the boardroom and from combating crime to championing justice. Her multifaceted story continues to inspire and empower others through her remarkable journey. It's quite the bio, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I was reading it, and I just I just feel honored to be sitting here with you. So thank you for taking the time today to come on. Thank you for having me. How does it feel when you hear somebody read off your bio like that? Honestly, there's like tears in the back of my eyes. I, I, I like, got a little tear. <laughs> it's it's like such a like a you know when people describe that they had they were dying and they like their life flash for them. That's kind of what it feels like that you're reading this like flash of like highs and lows throughout my life that have basically molded me into the individual I am today. Yeah, and I sh I've, I can only imagine it's a little bit of an out-of-body experience when you're sitting here in yeah. this position where you probably wouldn't have even thought that while you were actually experiencing anything that you've been through. A thousand percent. Yeah, and I have so much to talk to you about, but I feel like we should just kind of start at the beginning and maybe you can just kind of introduce yourself. And, yeah. you know, I, I know I read off your, your bio, mm -hmm. but maybe talk a little bit about how this whole thing started for you and go way back to your military days. Yeah, honestly, the the main pivot point I think where I'd like to start and then we'll kind of yeah. navigate all over the place was in 2021 when I was a hundred percent just broken in a thousand pieces I had lost who I was I didn't know how to find my way back I was in a very toxic marriage and I had two boys that I needed to just basically fake it to make it to be their mom every day and when they weren't around I would just fall apart and at one point I was considering not living anymore and 
I am not sure exactly how I got a breath of fresh air to kind of crawl my way a little bit out or at least start that journey, but I did. And through that journey, I started to essentially fall in love with myself again, get to know myself. And my initial goal was to just find my way back. Like, who am I today? But what I found was a changed person in a good way. And what I started to realize is that there were so many of my experiences, good, bad, and indifferent, that I needed to, instead of repel or be ashamed of, I needed to embrace and I needed to find the lesson in it so that I could grow from it. And so one of those was addressing and even coming to terms with my military career. I served in Iraq in 2003. When we came home, it was just like you just went on with your life and just carried out business. And I pushed a lot of things deep down inside me, suppressed emotion that I never allowed myself to feel. And as I started kind of taking off these layers and starting my healing journey come 2022, I found myself readdressing things from nearly two decades ago. You realize that healing is definitely not linear. No. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest and hardest lessons to learn on any kind of healing journey is like you think you're making so much progress, which you are, but yeah. it's not a straight linear line. You have mm -hmm. like ups and downs in between mm -hmm. that's okay. But every layer of your healing journey will unlock all of these new thoughts and yeah. ideas and things you have to address that you might have yeah. not even realized before. It's honestly like you level up like in like a video like, game, I, right? Oh my gosh, I describe it like that all the time. Yeah, and like <laughs> even just going through that level, it, there's triumphs and challenges and sometimes you, you know, have to start back at the beginning and try again. But, you know, each level is a, is a new challenge and a new success and each one should be celebrated 100%. I am always like celebrate all the little baby steps because without each little step, there is no big victory either. Absolutely. So, and it is, uh, it's a very hard thing to realize that you've lost yourself mm. in, in any circumstance, whether that's in a relationship or your career path, or, yeah. you know, just, you know, being at a stage in life where you're just not sure of yourself anymore. And it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. And, um, you can really push that under the rug and just kind of keep going in that shell, but it's not really going to get you anywhere. So when you have to take that deep, dive into that healing process on that and like the rediscovering of who you are and also realizing that a part of you has kind of died off too yeah. and that also might be a good thing and but it's okay yeah but there's some grief that comes with that I think sometimes yeah. and I think you just you have to allow yourself to feel all of that as scary as it can be or as heart-wrenching as it can be if you deny yourself that emotion it still is somewhere deep inside of you and you have to let it out you have to like export it otherwise it like festers yeah. like a like a cancer it's inside an illness, of you mm -hmm. and it can make you physically <laughs> sick yeah, absolutely i you know during my uh, uh, like a trauma point in my life I read a lot about how trauma is stored in the body in your mm -hmm. physical body and it really can create illness yeah and so I think what you said is really important actually getting all of that stuff out and healing from what you've been through mm -hmm. is you know you have to <laughs> you do and it'll catch up with you eventually yeah and I'm sure too like being in something like the military that is it becomes a big part of who you are and who how you identify yourself and when you leave something like that too that is you have that like, well, who am I, who am I anymore yeah. kind of moment. So what was, what was it like moving on from being in the military? 
So initially, I transitioned into law enforcement. So it was mm-hmm. a very similar environment, parallel in structure and discipline and those things. But in 2014, I was recruited out into the corporate realm. And that was really where I had kind of my culture shock. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you just said something to my face. But then I turned around and you said something different and stepped on me and stabbed a knife in my back just to get to where you want. So it was the first, like, real glimpse I saw of this kind of raw and ruthless world in the business space. And it was very eye-opening to me and it made me put up more walls and boundaries and lose trust in people and not open myself up to relationships, you know, personal or, or business wise. And that wasn't the answer either. There needed to be some balance in there. And I found myself just kind of like almost self-isolating or uh, presenting myself in a false manner. And it was exhausting. It would just, I would go home and just be so tired. Like I had been up for multiple days, but being or presenting yourself as someone who you're not truly to the core, it's, it takes a lot of energy out of you. Yeah, because you're putting on this face and you have to keep it up. Yeah. Because what happens if you don't? Yeah. You have to, you're almost like exposing yourself Mm -hmm. in that role, vulnerable state. And especially if it goes into another world completely like you're not used to. Yeah. Um, And how, so remind me, you went into Army to law enforcement to the corporate world and Mm -hmm. you were a tech analyst? Uh, More so, I represented technology that I had used as an analyst. So if you think about like the old cop shows where they put the bad guy's picture on a cork board Mm -hmm. with the yarn and all of that, it's essentially software that does that with all of the information and data on the back end of it. So it was software that I had used at the PD here in Vegas, and they wanted me on the sales team to basically represent and convey the value of how I used it to my advantage and and be able to convey that to others who are potentially looking at it to buy it. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how was your experience? I want to backtrack a little bit. How was your experience being a female law enforcement officer? Um, I mean, my, almost my entire career has been in a male dominant field Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. (laughs) I've had some kind of revelations through therapy recently on like why subconsciously I put myself in these positions and my father was vacant um, as I grew up and it was almost like I was trying to put myself in these situations where I would be approved by men. And I like literally just came to light in this in the last like six months. And like looking back at all of these things where I'm like in these male dominant positions and roles and surrounded by men constantly looking for approval and, um, applause Mm. and acceptance honestly. And at the core of it, what I was really searching for was acceptance from my own father. Isn't that so like, it almost like gives me goosebumps. I'm like, oh my God, what if I, what do I need to look back at? It's so insane. I think everyone has those, these things about them, whether it's this or something else, like you, you do have some deep rooted things in your past and your childhood that maybe transition into how you act as an adult, right? Oh yeah, it's ingrained and we just, you know, we make decisions every day on a subconscious level. I mean, how often do you make a right turn and think, well, why did I make a right turn there? It's just ingrained in you. Mm -hmm. But I do think, and I do it more often now than I've ever done before in my life, I really try to pause 
and just take a breath, even if it's at the end of my day, and kind of reflect on some of the key decisions that I made and ask myself why. Where was it stemmed from? Where did it come from? Was it completely subconscious decision? Was it something that I kind of thought about? And I think that's important to kind of not only grow, but to really truly learn from your past experiences and to say, okay, you know what, that was good and I understand it. Or you know what, that's a bad pattern. I don't really want to repeat it because in the past I've done started that pattern and it's led me to ruin. Right. I think that introspective work is really important too because that also can help you define who you are. And if yeah. you're in that position where you don't know who you are anymore, you're having a little bit of an identity crisis or loss of sense of self, mm -hmm. starting to ask yourself those questions are where you can find the foundation of like figuring out why you do the things that you do, like why you're acting the way you're acting, yeah. why you're attracting the kinds of relationships you're attracting or why you're staying in the kinds of relationships <laughs> you're attracting. And those are some things that I had to ask myself when I was on my most like painful part of my own healing process is why I was doing the things I was doing because I actually had no idea. Yeah. I was just like, you just get on cruise control. Yeah, but, just going through life. Yeah, surviving but, day but to it's day. important to ask those questions. Yeah. And if you don't care, maybe you aren't ready to look at yourself. And that's a really hard thing to manage too because I've been with people who are like, I, my childhood doesn't affect me or I don't need to, you know, just like really push all those kind of questions under the rug mm -hmm. and it shows you that someone's not ready to look at why they're hurting yeah. inside or why they're, you know, maybe in a toxic pattern of behavior and things like that. Well, but, it can be scary oh, to face terrifying. those head on, right? Yeah. And then it's a whole nother level of like acceptance. Like you have to accept and take accountability yeah. for your actions it's a hard word <laughs> oh yes oh yes because even if you're doing things on a subconscious level right you're still making those decisions you still have to kind of woman up and say well I made that decision today and I didn't even think about it okay so great you know we all make mistakes we all make wrong decisions if you want to classify them that but what can you learn from it yeah what part are you playing like yeah. actively right yeah it's really important i i feel like i've actually talked about that topic quite a bit on this podcast with lots of people who have been like i want to say quote unquote like stuck in situations or relationships they don't understand how they got there why they got there but the most important part of whatever stuck place you got into mm -hmm. in your life is what you've learned from that and the tools that you've gotten from that to move onward and upward and forward um and so there always is a little bit of a silver lining if you can take all of these yeah. not so favorable things and use them to power you forward to become a better person but it, it's not easy and it definitely never stops. Like we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. you don't just heal and you're like, okay, I got through that. Now, now I'm good. No. It will show up again. It might show up in different ways. And mm -hmm. I don't know, sometimes those lessons represent themselves to you to see if you learn from it the first time. Yep. And that's never easy. No. And remembering it is a journey. It's not okay. It's not a destination. You've, you've, you're gonna, you're, there's always room for improvement. There's always yeah. room for growth. I mean, and I'm, 40 years old. I have stuff ingrained in me that's been a repatterning in my subconscious for 40 years. Yeah. You know, you can't just break that overnight. Right. You can't just be like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, it takes practice and repetition. Right. Just like anything that you start to perfect or try to perfect. Right. And I'm, I can assume that that also maybe had a little bit of a, the same kind of effect with transitioning out of being in wartime yeah. and experiencing thing, things overseas and then coming back to a, being a regular civilian. Yeah. Well, I just, I just stuffed that all down. I just stuffed yeah. it all down. I swallowed it like a big fat pill, locked <sighs> it in a black box with, you know, chains and deadbolts in the back of my brain. And I'm like, I don't need to look at it or address it or talk about it. 
I'm good. Just keep pressing forward. But it, it festered it. It tore it. As I mentioned, I started peeling these layers back and down in this deep, dark place. I'm like, oh, I should probably maybe, I don't know, look at some stuff down stuff. there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder why I'm, you know, super anxious and um, have kind of a short fuse here and there. And, you know, and some of the things that I went through, like I was just recently diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury from 20 years ago, a TBI doctor came back and said yeah that event led to a tbi they can see bruising and brain scans and and based on psychological evaluations right and though some of the consequences of that are irritability and basically short fuse i'm like you're basically describing any bad day of mine so you're telling me that that could have been and is most likely a result of something that happened during combat that i just wrote off yeah, I did. And now you're just accustomed to living with that, thinking yeah. that that's just how your normal day to day operates because this is just what it is. Yeah. And, yeah. or, you know, you have toxic people in your life that tell you that you're just a, can I curse on this point? Absolutely. That you're just a <laughs> bitch and you, you're moody and, you know, they, you, that you're the problem. And then you start to kind of second guess yourself and, you know, well, maybe I am a bitch and maybe, yeah, I am moody. I did snap at my kid last night, like over nothing. And then you beat yourself up. And what does that do? doesn't help the healing process. That's no, for it sure. it just digs you in a darker hole. And that's what I did for years. Yeah. And that, then that turns into the self-isolation and just, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I feel like I'm a burden to other people and it's just a vicious, yeah. it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. I, one of the main reasons I got on this podcast and even started this was because I had lost my own voice and I couldn't imagine this was like to a small degree. And in my mind, my trauma is a very small trauma compared to what people have been through. But I knew how that in my mind, small trauma could make me lose my voice so much in order to speak up. I couldn't imagine what it was like for somebody who was potentially in a worse situation for me to feel like they had to be quiet. And I wanted to provide that platform and it's it's so it's so sad to me how quickly and how you know almost under the radar you can like lose your sense of self and lose who you are and be really scared to speak up and i really wanted to give this place an opportunity for other people mm-hmm. to do that and even some of the strongest people i've ever met in my entire life have shed light on some sort of incident in their own life that had made them feel really really small and it's really nice to like hear those stories out loud from people to how they've gotten out of that because I feel like it's going to provide some kind of safety for someone else who could be listening who has no idea where to start. Yeah, and I think some of those people who you classify as strong, right, that we see that present themselves, and I mean, I was even told, what do you mean you were unhappy? What do you mean you were in the fetal position crying, contemplating how you were going to not live anymore? What is that? What do you mean? Like, you read my bio, right? Like, look at all the things you've done and accomplished, Alice. Like, why? What do you? And it's it's nowadays I find it very important to showcase my vulnerability as well. Because, yeah, I, I am accomplishing and I am climbing and I am healing. But at the same time, I still have gray days. I still have days that I don't want to go out. I don't want to socialize. I want to self-isolate. But it's key to have like awareness and understanding and also grace for yourself. Like give yourself a break every now and then. Have a little compassion for yourself and what you've been through. I think that's huge. That was one thing that I know I personally struggled with too was um, forgiving myself. Yeah. Because I 
beat myself up for allowing myself to experience some of the things that I experienced. And even like saying it out loud now, I almost, it's kind of sounds a little silly, but, but it's, it's not, not, it's not, it's, silly. It, it's, it's not any, I, I worked on forgiving like a lot of things, but the one thing that was the hardest for me was forgiving myself for putting myself through something. Yeah. But then I, I learned through therapy and through mentorship and through like really great friends that I have to really cut myself some slack, like you were saying, and have some grace and some empathy for the version of myself that didn't know any better. Right. And mm -hmm. when I looked at it like that, it was so much easier. I had my mentor once tell me, you need to look at the version of yourself that you are so upset with. You need to look at that version as like the child version of you. Yeah. Literally as a child, even though I wasn't a child exactly when I experienced what I, I'm speaking of, it was a younger version of myself that didn't know better. And if I'm looking at like my inner child, if we want to go mm -hmm. back that far, she was doing the best she could with what she knew. Yeah. Um, and have empathy for that. You don't need to beat yourself up. Right. It's just what you do now moving forward. And now you know that you're in a stronger position to protect that version of yourself. Yeah. And that gave me so much strength. And I, I try and reiterate that story to people who come to me asking for help on certain situations, especially regarding like toxic relationships, because I mean, I stayed way too long. I was in them way, way, way too long. Even looking back now, I'm like, man, that was a long time. But now I, I have a sense of self and I can understand that. But I want to help other women who may have been in that lost position. And that's why I love bringing people on like you who also have been in that position at a completely different, like your, your life is completely different than mine, but there's such a similarity in like when you lose yourself and don't know how to stay on your own two feet anymore. A hundred percent. And when you do find yourself again, and then you embrace her and you understand that, yeah, you're not the same, but you're stronger and wiser for it. And then you make the choice to take all of that and vulnerability and put yourself out there to encourage and inspire others. I mean, that's just a whole nother level of healing. I think so too. Yeah. Do you think any of this healing process is what got you involved in this um, organization with um, Skull Games? Yes. To a degree? To a degree. I definitely think on a subconscious level to a degree that you're kind of hitting on. And honestly, I've never really thought about it until like right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so even now I'm like, feel like kind what? of shuffling through things uh -huh. in my head. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, right? Because <laughs> I, I have noticed um, up to this point that there have been situations or conversations or things that I've done that were if you look just a little bit deeper, we're cries for help. Mm. And it was like, I was trying to help others, but I think really deep down inside, I was trying to help myself. This was this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And it was that. And then also just having this amazing skill set that I had from my military and law enforcement career mm -hmm. that was kind of just sitting on a shelf collecting dust. It was like the perfect pairing. It sounds yeah. like I wanted to be able to leverage it. And plus I'm just really passionate about it. Like I, I'm like one of those people that I want to put all the puzzle pieces together and I want to figure it out. And I want to know what's going on. Like, like, I used to call myself a professional stalker, you know, and those, those are the type of people that make the most amazing intelligence analysts. Cause they are like, Oh, I can find anyone online. I've like, got some friends that might've been good for that. Right. Job. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of that my passion and a, a skill set that I developed over time. And then, yeah, the ability to help these women who, you know, I've talked to several victims of sex trafficking 
And all of them say a very similar thing in that when they were in the game, they never thought anyone cared or was looking for them or gave two shits about helping them or that they had a way out until they did. And that empowers me and inspires me every chance I get to help that organization because I think about those women who are out there and they think that they don't have anybody and that no one's looking for them. That's and I'm so like, no, sad. I'm, I'm, I'm look, I'm looking for you. I will find you. And my first mission in the entire, the scenario that we go through is to give you a name. I identify you. I'm going to give you a first name. I'm going to give you a last name and I'm going to look at you and, and then I'm, I'm going to find you. Yeah. So explain to me, or explain to somebody who has no idea about an organization like this, mm -hmm. what the organization does, how it starts from like the search for somebody yeah. or the analyzation of like finding, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but a, a group of people who are actually sex trafficking women. They're human traffickers. That's what they are. Um, I have other choice words for them, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the organization develops leads throughout the year. Um, then we get together once a quarter and everyone that comes together once a quarter, they're all, they're all volunteers. They all come from similar backgrounds, law enforcement, intelligence, military. Some are still currently active in those roles. Some of them have retired or moved on into other careers, but it is all volunteer based. Um, the active, uh, I guess, employees of the NGO, if you will, are digging up leads, looking for human trafficking indicators. And a lot of the leads are pulled from escort ads. There's key things that you can find in an escort ad that kind of suggest that they might be being controlled or trafficked. And based on that, they're kind of put into a bucket. When we get there, wherever that may be, we just, they pick a place based on this, that, or the other, and we come together for a weekend and we're assigned jurisdictions. The jurisdictions that we work are based on partnerships that we've developed with the law enforcement community. So we already have, say, a partnership in Las Vegas. That way we can work this jurisdiction and when we pass those leads to them, we know that they're actually going to run with them, nurture them, and, and, and take them on. We're not just spinning our wheels on something that's going to be thrown into the wayside. Right. So our, we're typically presented with the escort ad, which is usually some pictures, hopefully of her face so that we can see her and most likely an alias and a phone number. And with just that information and only using open source intelligence, so basically anything you can find on the World Wide Web, uh, task one is to identify her. And we do that through a number of just methodologies that we've learned and developed throughout the years. And we lean on each other for uh, strengths that we have throughout organizations that we work for and whatnot. But everything that we do is anyone could honestly do. I don't encourage anyone to do it, but you know what I mean? So once we identify her and kind of validate that she is most likely being controlled, our next big task is to try and identify who's controlling her. And that's not always easy. Sometimes the phone number is linked to the person who's controlling her or a family member or something. Sometimes you can find some stuff on social media, mm. friends list and whatnot. But everything that we develop in that 48 hours, that weekend that we get together, we write up an intelligence report and we send that off to the respective law enforcement agency that of where she either is um, promoting her ads or where we tracked her down to most likely live currently. What do you think is the biggest way that 
these women wind up in these positions? They're in vulnerable situations. So we're circling right back around because the majority of these women, and it could be as mild as they were 16 and uh, their parents went through a divorce and they weren't feeling like they had the love and attention that they wanted because their mom and dad were too busy trying to cut each other's throats out, right? And so especially as a young girl, I mean, I remember not really feeling like my mom was very attentive to me. My dad was nowhere around. So, you know, you go searching for attention elsewhere. And a lot of times traffickers or people who are involved in that realm will kind of eyeball those individuals and they take advantage of the situation and they kind of just like put their arm around them like you know I'll take care of you I'll show you love and they do and it's really a mind game they manipulate them grooming oh a lot of grooming goes into it and that's why they like to pick them up younger and they may not you know send them out to even work until they're 17 18 19 years old they'll spend they'll invest a couple years into grooming them because once a woman feels like she doesn't have a way out and this is the only love that she's ever going to feel and at the end of the day starts to feel like that's the only love she deserves she'll never leave or at least she feels like she has no way out and it's always hard because you do hear people especially when the internet is the internet and people are awful on the internet Mm -hmm. but you if you go in comment sections of things like stories like this you do get the people who are like why didn't they just leave that girl must be stupid why would she stay you know you get it's it's awful because the things that you hear are obviously like completely uneducated comments Mm -hmm. um it's also highly insensitive because i don't think people truly understand what it's like to be groomed into a situation like this and be brainwashed into the position of coming from a vulnerable place, winding up in a situation like you just described where you do start really um, thinking that that's what you deserve. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? Um, Stockholm syndrome. Yep. I feel like that kind of can even go in line with that where you start, you know. Yeah. You And then and then the shame sets in. You mm-hmm. know, you're ashamed of what you're involved in. And so, so what do you do from there? So what are you supposed to reach out to your dad and be like, oh, dad, like, help me. Like, I'm being, I'm, you know, basically prostituting. Like, it's it's shameful so now i'm ashamed but you know the people that i'm circling with you know my pimp and these other women like they accept me so you know i'm i'll just stay here it's it's not easy to leave it's not easy for them to go um there's a lot of abuse involved and yeah physical but in my opinion and you know think what you want my opinion i feel like mental and emotional abuse is way way worse than physical and with that said there is mental and emotional abuse with physical abuse. If you think that that doesn't jack people up when they're physically abused on the mental side, and that lasts way longer, bones mend themselves. You know, skin repairs itself. But those mental and emotional and moral wounds that are deep down inside that you're even ashamed to bring up, those affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I I don't think somebody will truly understand that until they've actually experienced that difference. Yeah. and you don't have to understand it, right? Just, you know, be a little empathetic right. of it. Right. Yeah. I, I think people on the internet are, it's hard because you're behind a keyboard. So people really oh, yeah. feel like they can just say anything. But when you sit with somebody who describes it like this, if you could sit here and not have empathy for somebody who's been in that situation, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a whole nother level of, you know, maybe yeah. you've got some issues to work on yourself. But 
you have to celebrate the people who actually speak up, even if it is years down the line for yeah. what they've gone through. And I know that there's a lot of like false things on the internet too, and people utilizing things that they've been through that might not be exactly the truth. But when it comes down to something like this, you have to applaud these women for finally getting out or asking for help and oh, yeah. um, have some sensitivity for the ones who, like you spoke of earlier, who are like, I didn't think anybody cared about me. Mm-hmm. And I could say, of course someone cared about you, but they... They didn't think they don't so. think that. And that's all that matters in their world, what they think, right? Yeah. And so that is something that you're still actively in, correct? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And um, as far as the book you wrote, that was something else I wanted to talk about too. Yeah. Was that stemmed off your personal journey and that's where it started or was it, did it track up all the way to where we are currently? Yes. Short answer, yes. Yes. Yeah, so your, fr- <laughs> your, your friend and my client sent me a video of you opening up your book for the first time when you actually got your book in the mail or it was your journal yeah no, the book yeah the, the book, book. Yeah. yeah the first copy I can't imagine what that was like to actually see that in like a tangible <laughs> you know thing right in front of you after everything yeah it it still feels a little surreal at times that I'm a published author yeah like, like, it sounds so prestigious what a, what a so thing formal. to have to live I know right I know and you have to like change the tone of your voice to even say it it's how silly um but it, it just it honestly already just feels like the foundation of something bigger and that's really cool like that keeps me so motivated and inspired to keep moving forward it wasn't just like like this task that I completed and now it's done and over with like check the box it's you know people have asked me you know well what's next I'm like I don't know and then the podcast kind of just fell in place you know I was thinking okay I wrote this book super vulnerable literally just put 19 year old version of Dallas out there to the world like here you go here's my wounds just to open up for the to, public <laughs> like you know and I was honestly like waiting to be like crucified on certain things and I was scared out of my mind for any type of negative backlash I mean you put something out there like that someone's always gonna have something to say of and I started mentally and emotionally even preparing myself for that Brene Brown was living like rent free in my brain and with that I'm like okay so there's got to be other people out there who are either stuck or haven't even started their healing journey and if I can just showcase this vulnerability and that inspires them to start or to continue then it's all worth it to me like I just want to be able to kind of I have this like vision of this one hand up one hand down thing and that's how like I always want to be I'm always looking for someone who is bigger and better than me, who I can learn from and who can mentor me to help me up to the next level. But I also always want to have my hand down and I want to help someone as well along the way. So that was kind of my mentality with publishing the book. That was my whole motivation on it. But then I'm like, okay, where are all the other female combat veterans stories? They don't exist. They're not out there. They're not on podcasts. They're not on books. They're not... They don't exist. I'm like, why? Well, they probably don't feel safe or secure to even share their story. And then with that, what was validated in what I thought through hearing other female combat veterans share their story is that they didn't feel like they had done anything heroic or Mm -hmm. worthy of even discussing. So they just kept their mouths shut and I'm like, no, like just the fact that you were in combat is worthy. Like women aren't supposed to be in combat. Hello, guys. Like this is just a thing that has happened in the last 20 years. And Playing small. 
Yeah, and it is. And, you know, it's my story isn't anything like a Black Hawk Down Sony production, but it's still relevant and it's still important for people to understand. And so is every other woman out there that shares that combat attribute that I do. So I wanted, again, I'm like, okay, well, I'm a peer of theirs. I'm going to understand them. So hopefully they will feel some type of comfort and safety with me. And so that's basically what I tell them. I'm like, hey, let's just have a conversation. I've just happened to be hitting record. Yeah. And that's what it's turned into. And it's been amazing. Five incredible women have come forward. I have all branches of the military represented now that have shared their story. And they're incredible, incredible women. And I hope to continue that. Um, And then the next crazy Dallas idea that came up literally just six weeks ago that I haven't even publicized yet. So you're going to hear it first is 2025 is going to be the not so average Jane retreat. And it's going to tailor to female combat veterans. And I want to bring every type of therapy I can think of to them so that they can get a taste for what works for them. Because that's also what I've learned is not not every therapy works for every individual. Some of the women I've talked to, there are music therapy and equine therapy, traditional therapy, you know, all these different things. And I want to bring in like professional resume writers so that they can help with their transition into the civilian space and really help them transcribe their military experiences into civilian terms so that they can feel well, what I've noticed is that there's a hard there's a hard time with transcribing this particular skill in the military into something that the civilian world will. So things like that. But then at the end of the day, I want to treat these women. I want them to embrace their femininity and remember what it's like to be a woman. So I want them to be pampered. Wine and cheese and pedicures and you bring in people, you know, hair and makeup, like, yeah, they de- they deserve it. They deserve it. So, and it's just that coming full circle because you yeah. go into the military and you kind of like lose your sense of self in a way because now you are a yeah. combat warrior basically right? <laughs> and you you drop all of that. And so I'm assuming when you come out that whole like who am I now is yeah. really hard to to operate with. And I think one of the most difficult things for me and then kind of validated with some of the women I've talked to is as a woman, we're like the nurture, right? We're more emotional in touch with our feelings can more or less convey them. And we want to like embrace and nurture. Well, you know, we, we went over to war and instead of embracing and nurturing, you know, these homeless kind of starving kids, we were looking at them like, you know, are you trying to blow me up right now? And it really is a mind fuck. I can only imagine. It just completely like just like flips everything on its head and you you don't like your intuition is saying one thing, but like then you have this like whole other like military intuition where it's like, well, they might be coming at you. It might be a ploy, you know, and you have women and children who are involved in these very horrible acts. And so it's like you don't know what to trust. And everything, like I said, that you just have to like push it aside and you forget sometimes that nurturing and loving and like the want to embrace. Instead, you're more standoffish and you have walls up. And I've definitely seen that transcribed throughout my life. 
it desensitizes you for yeah, sure. Yeah. I actually have had quite a few veterans on this podcast and um, you are my first female. Actually, no, I've had law enforcement female before, but regardless, I have had some people talk to me about their experiences overseas with children and yeah. some of them can't even put it into words about what it's like to see some of the things that they've been through. And I've sat in tears with them here, mm -hmm. you know, just barely touching on what it was like and just what you said that, you know, you see a child and your, your automatic intuition is not what you are supposed to be doing in that moment. And that is a mind fuck. Yeah. So I can, I, I can't even fathom what that would be like to actually experience in that firsthand. Yeah. And then even more so the adjustment coming back. Right. And those are, there's a word that was actually put to it that I couldn't describe until recently. And those are moral wounds. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I, did, I, I could only describe it before. Like, you know, it goes against everything that I feel deep down as a human, right? And a man that I know said, well, those are the moral wounds. You can't see them on the surface. Yeah, and it's ripping it's ripping yeah. everything that you know in your heart to be true apart. Mm -hmm. And that's really confusing. Yep. That's really, really confusing. Yeah. So I can only imagine trying to put those things back together. But also that's probably why it's so important to bring a little bit of that, like nurturing feminine aspect back into these retreats and mm -hmm. into the healing process especially for women so they can kind yeah. of like reattach as i mean like i'm sure the healing process is never linear and it's always ongoing but i think those things just help the process yeah and then for them to be there for each other right yeah and embrace each other's femininity and community is everything oh my gosh i lost that and didn't realize how impactful and important it was to me until the last couple of years yeah well, I'm really excited to see those retreats come to fruition for you because yeah. I think that's like an incredible, incredible thing. And I I can't even applaud you enough for everything that you've been through and what you're utilizing it for now. And it's just so beautiful to see somebody taking what they've been through. And like you said, still still reaching up for help, but reaching down to bring people along with you yeah. because I think that's really the reason we're all here is to help other people and serve yeah. other people and really bring everyone along on this healing journey with us. So I'm really excited for you and congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you are absolutely one of those people with one hand up, one hand down. You're proving it right here sitting across the table from me. So I appreciate that and your vulnerability and your continuation to allow other people's voices to be projected in that manner. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's yeah. been times where people have asked me why I do the podcast and I I've never like fully been able to express it to somebody who also hasn't sat here with me in some sort of like pain and, you know, um, sharing of things that we've been through because there's been times where I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And there were times where I lost even my own reasoning and I had to sit with myself and really bring myself back to center and even had people here who have been my inspirations be like Christina where are you like why haven't you come in and I'm like I don't know I feel like I'm not like I'm not doing anything and like what do you mean you're not doing anything like do you not see the people who message you do you not see the people who listen because I don't pay attention I just do it because I feel like I'm supposed to be doing it yeah. but I think that was the whole reminder for myself was exactly why you're here like if it's something's calling you to do it there's a reason there's somebody listening so yeah. I that's why I love the podcast space so much and I think that like you said this is just the beginning for everything that you're doing and 
I, I'm just very excited for you. So thank you for taking your time and thank you for your service. And maybe we can have you back again once this all kind of yeah. keeps going That'll and update everyone. Yeah. Um, and for you guys listening, thank you again for always being such supporters of this show. It does not go unnoticed. Um, I get emotional talking about it every single time. I try not to cry because I cry all the time. But anyway, I, <laughs> um, I know I don't only speak for myself, but if you guys have any questions to Dallas about her book, about Skull Games, about, you know, getting out of the military and needing someone to talk to or community to reach out to. I'm sure her DMs are open just as much as mine are. And um, make sure to read her book. Remind me one more time what it was called. Shattered Reflections. And you can find it on my website, notsoaveragejane.com. Perfect. And make sure to check that out, you guys. And once again, this is Fearless Suspect, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren, and we'll see you next time. 